Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. Good morning. It's really good to see you all. Uh, It's good to hear how God is at work through his church in the community, through missionaries cleverly disguised as good neighbors. We've been in the series on being church together this summer. And uh, JR kicked us off talking about what it means to be church and gave us some of these really important healthy markers of what a healthy church looks like. A healthy church is about proclaiming Christ as Lord and not just proclaiming that, but living it. Christ is Lord of everything over our finances, over our jobs, over our schools, everything falls under the lordship of Christ. And so a church is always pointing to Jesus' lordship and always seeking to surrender to that lordship. A healthy church is about discipleship. If Jesus is Lord, then we wanna learn from him. We wanna be more like him every day. And we have this mission-oriented posture, which is some of what we just heard from these neighbors. What does it look like for us to to live in our communities with a mission-oriented posture as a church? saying, how can we bless and serve people in the name of Christ to point them to the goodness and love of Jesus? And a healthy church is also where every person, each and every person has immense value and is gifted to be a blessing to the church, to build up the church, to be unleashed in the church and outside of the church for the sake of Christ. And church is a place where we praxis our faith where we practice it, where we reflect on it and go out and try again if we mess up. Uh, But we continue to try to put faith into action. That's where we started. And then a couple weeks ago, I called you all weirdos and I'm sorry. (laughs) Not sorry. We talked about God's big, huge vision for the church. As we read through some of these things in Ephesians, Paul talks about the extravagant vision that that God has for the church, that God has called out these people in Christ, has made them a new creation in Christ, and now has called them together to live as a community that is manifesting God's wisdom to the world. And all of these uh, different visions that Paul lays out in Ephesians. And there's this extravagant, extravagant vision. And I'm sorry that I called you all out last week, two weeks ago. I know I called out Clyde and I noticed he's sitting a little bit further back. (laughs) A month ago, we were talking about how everybody was way back there. And then last week, everybody pushed up and then I called out the person sitting in the front row. This is why people don't sit up close. I'm sorry. But God has this big, huge vision for church. 
And it's important for us to capture that vision. It's important for us to continue to look to that vision because as Paul also writes in Ephesians, being church can also be a little bit challenging because we're a bunch of weirdos, because we have quirks, because we're human and we still are wrapped up in this world that is sin. Though we've been set free, darkness doesn't like to give up easily. And so we fall, but we have this community to lift us back up. And so we have this big vision, and then we are also rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. It all comes back to that, and we can never get tired or bored of pointing each other to the love of Christ, reminding each other that we are beloved children of God, and exploring the height, the width, the depth, the breadth, the length of that love together. That's what it means to be church, to continue to explore the depth of that love of Christ for us. And this Sunday, I want to get into some of the how a little bit. So the New Testament is full of these one another statements. So what does it mean to be church together? Well, it means one anothering. There's a ton of statements in the New Testament about what it means to be a community, about what it means to live as the body of Christ because we're not called into just a personal relationship with Jesus, but we're actually called into a communal relationship with Jesus. We can't do this alone. I think it's, it's fascinating that we believe in a triune God, that God and God's very self is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So God is a community, a communion in one, three in one. The math doesn't make sense, but it's not a math equation as much as some of us would like it to be. So God is in community, and when God redeems us, he calls us into community to live out the very things that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are doing with each other. God calls us to do those things as a church, to live out all of the things that Jesus commanded, to live out with one another. And Jesus says that it is our love for one another that will bear witness to the world. That people will be drawn to Jesus because of the way we one another, the way we love one another. And so there's a, there's a list, and actually uh, about a year and a half ago, fall of 2019, again, I'm not very good at math, uh, but however long that was ago, we actually read some of these together. And here's, here's just a sampling of some of them. This is not an exhaustive list, but, but here are some of the one another statements that we find in the New, New Testament. In John 13, Jesus told his disciples, wash one another's feet. Again, in John 13, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. You may sense a theme that love one another shows up a lot. In Christ, we are one body. We belong to one another. Be devoted to one another in mutual love. Be eager to honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. We should no longer judge one another. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you unity of mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus. Accept one another. Serve one another humbly in love. Let us not become conceited or provoke or envy one another. Carry one another's burdens. With all humility, gentleness, and patience, bear with one another in love. 
Speak the truth with one another, for we are members of one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Agree wholeheartedly with one another. Love one another, working together with one mind and purpose. In humility, value one another above yourselves. Don't lie to one another. Bear with one another and forgive one another. Teach and exhort one another. May the Lord make your love for one another and for everyone grow and overflow. Love one another. Encourage one another. Encourage one another and build one another up. Strive to do what is good for one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Spur one another on to love and good works. Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against one another. Love one another fervently from a pure heart. Be hospitable to one another. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Greet one another with a kiss of love. We should love one another. Love one another. Let us love one another. Love one another. Again, not an exhaustive list, but clearly how we interact with one another is really important to God. And what it means to be church, God cares deeply about and spends a lot of time in the New Testament teaching us how to be in life together in community with one another. Because as a church, we are called out of, if you remember, I believe JR talked about this, that the Greek word ecclesia, which is the word that is translated church, means called out and called into. So we are called out of the world. We are called out of darkness. We are called out of sin and death. And we are called into life together in community. We are called into love, joy, peace, patience together. This is a costly call, okay? So one of the reasons why we have this big grand vision is so that we can be encouraged when things get hard. Because Jesus' call is to lay down ourselves. Again, one anothering means that I have to lay down myself to consider how does this impact you all? How do I be in community with you all in the way of Christ? And Christ's call was to lay down oneself for the sake of following him, to lay down our life so that Christ can live in us. And that happens in community, in this community called the church. It's a call to devotion to Jesus and devotion to God's people. In Acts 2, when, when the disciples are, are going out, they're preaching Jesus' word, and all of a sudden this church is starting. Because as people are being baptized, now they're being called into community. And it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What were the apostles' teaching? They were teaching Christ. They were teaching repentance from sin and turning to Christ. And they were devoting themselves to fellowship. They were devoting themselves to the community. And I know that today is, is Independence Day for our nation. But, and, that's, and I'm really grateful for, for the United States and the freedoms that we have here. 
But, but Christ's call into the church is something really, really different than what we experience as a nation. It's not a call into independence, but a call to interdependence. And a call, I love, Clyde was sharing with me this morning, I'm gonna call him out in a really nice way today, uh, that he's just been experiencing this, this deep realization of his dependence on Christ and desiring that more and more because the world is messed up. And as we depend on Christ and as we build one another up, there's this beautiful picture of a community that stands in contrast to the culture around us. So being church together is to build one another up in Christ. To build one another up in Christ. We are called to one another. As in our following of Christ, we are called to the people around us. And these one another's give more explicit and specific shape to what it means to love one another. Yes, love one another was repeated a lot in there, which highlights its importance, its significance, but all of these other ones are both, how does this love look like, what does this love look like, but also reminding that all of these other things have to be rooted in love. So I can encourage somebody, but if I don't actually love them, that encouragement falls short of what Christ is calling us to. Encouragement out of love is a much different thing than encouragement out of really frustrated with you and I wish you were just better, so do better, versus I love you and I want God's best for you, and this is who God has called you to be, so I want to encourage you to keep following Christ and pursue what he has for you. There's a difference, and it matters. So I want to focus in on just a few of the one another's. We talked about the significance of devotion to one another, and that's something very different than what our culture says, look out, for, look out for yourself. Pursue your own happiness. Pursue your own self-interests. But following Christ is a crawl to be devoted to one another. Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in love, showing eagerness in honoring one another. Honor one another. <laughs> I don't know if you have ever spent any time on Facebook or watched any news media. There's not a lot of honoring happening. There's not a lot of honoring happening in our culture. As a church community, we are called, we are commanded, we are exhorted to honor one another. We are called out of a culture of shame a culture that seeks to put shame on people. We are called out of that culture into a culture of honor. We are called out of the darkness of contempt into the light of mutual honor. As a church, that paints a really beautiful picture to the world that when there's conflict, rather than, we're, we're tempted, we're still tempted to go to that contempt when somebody does something to you, or there's conflict, the easy thing, the temptation is to begin to think about that person as less than, right? To think about all the worst things about that person so that oh, now I can justify my, my bad feelings toward this person, and that leads to contempt. But Christ's call is a call to honor one another. So even when there's conflict, even when something happens that you may not like, you still look at that person 
in the lens of their best person in who Christ has, in who God has created them to be and who Christ has died and saved them to be. You think about the people that Jesus called his disciples. They were viewed as basically nobodies. But Christ saw something in them. Jesus saw something in them and sought to honor them and called out what God had for them. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in love, showing eagerness in honoring one another. The ESV in another translation says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Could you imagine what a beautiful picture that would be if we sought to outdo one another in showing honor to each other? Now, honor is, this is from a pastor in New York. He, he defines honor as the recognition of the value, contribution, and importance of one another. And another pastor says, honor is not merely flattering somebody. It's not just words to, to compliment them, to bring flattery on them, especially not to then hope, oh, I hope if I compliment them, then maybe they'll compliment me back. Now, honor is something much deeper. It's seeing the inherent worth of that person and also seeing the immense potential in that person. If you remember what Paul says about the church and about who we are in Christ, that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So as you look at the person sitting next to you, that person right now has the Holy Spirit in them. And if that doesn't tell you something about their worth, if that doesn't tell you something about their worth and their value to God, then we're missing something. So it's not mere flattery, but it's actually seeing them as created in the image of God. And what Psalm 8 says is that God has crowned humanity with glory and honor. So can you look at the person next to you and see the crown of glory and honor that God has put on them? So honor is seeing the inherent worth in each person. This word is is translated in other places. The word honor is translated in other places as price. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about people. He says, for you have been bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. That word price is the value of that person, their honor. That value is how much Jesus was willing to give for that person. So honor one another. Can we practice that right now? Can we practice that right now? I want you to to find a partner. You can stand up, move around, maybe somebody outside your family for a minute. And just take a minute to honor them because of who they are, who they've been created to be in Jesus. The price that Jesus has paid for them And if there's anything else that you just want to affirm in them, to appreciate in them. All right, so I'm going to, you can do that now. Stand up, find a partner, 
and just practice honoring each other. So you can say this to them. If you're at a loss for words, you can say this to them. You have been bought with a price. Jesus gave his very life for you. God gives you a crown of glory and honor. And so I honor you as a beloved child of God. So this is... All of this talk about one anothering, this is why we, why we as a renewed community have chosen to do house church. Because it's not really possible for, for me to love you really well if I only see you on Sunday. If, if all we're about as a community is this couple hours on a Sunday morning, then there's no way for us to live out these one another's. But our hope is, is that if we're engaged in house churches in these smaller groups of people, with people who we might interact with more and more throughout the week, that we begin to have these opportunities to honor one another throughout the week, to encourage one another, to build one another up. Each one of you has been bought with a price and Jesus gave his very life for you. You are really, really valuable and important to God. And God gives you a crown of glory and honor. So I want to seek to honor you, who God has created and called you to be. And could you imagine what it looks like if we continue to grow up into honoring one another and continue to put on those lens when we're tempted to see each other in the worst possible light, say, no, hold on a second. This is a person who Jesus loves deeply and I'm called to love deeply. How can I approach this person with honor and respect? And one of the ways that we do this is this next one I wanna chat about is submit to one another. So one of the ways that we honor others is by submitting to them. Again, this is, this is a pretty countercultural command and exhortation from Jesus. Culture says, yeah, look out for number one. Do what you want. Don't let other people tell you what to do. Jesus, Jesus calls us to submission. If Jesus is Lord, that right there Jesus is Lord, we're already saying, if Jesus is Lord, then we need to submit to him. But then he also commands us, in Ephesians 5, 21, Paul writes, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So if we revere Christ as Lord, then we look at all the other people that Jesus has called and we say, they have something of Jesus in them, and I need to be able to submit to them. We have been called out of the culture of competition into a culture of mutual submission. Called out of the darkness of pride into the light of humility. And submission, I think, takes two really important different forms. One is that we recognize that somebody else has something, has some authority, has some gift that they can bless me with, some wisdom from their experience that they can bless me with. And so I want to submit to them so that I can learn, so that I can grow up more into Christ. 
So look at the people around me and recognize what are the gifts that they have that I need to submit to so that I can learn from them. What are the experiences that they have that I can learn from, that I can submit to? And so we submit to their authority in that way. The other form that I think submission takes is that we submit to what does it mean for me to bless them? What does it mean for me to give up some of my rights or some of my freedoms in order to love them better? Because they're not in a place, they're not stronger than me in this area. But in order to strengthen them, I can submit to them out of my strength. I can submit to them to build them up. One of the confusing things to me about this, so submit to one another, right? One of the confusing things is, okay, so if two people have different opinions, who should submit to who? The answer is yes. I, honestly, I don't have the answer other than yes. Submit to one. This is our call as brothers and sisters of Christ. Well, who's right? Ultimately, it may not matter who's right, but how do you move forward in righteousness? How do you move forward in right relationship with one another? You do that by submitting to one another, by listening with respect to one another and showing honor. That yes, we may disagree in this. How can I submit to you? How can I submit and show you love in this area? And submit to know, submit to one another so that we can know each other well enough to speak the truth in love. If we're willing to submit, we allow people to speak into our lives, maybe to point out sin in areas that we need to change, or maybe to speak in and say, this is an area where you are not living up to your full calling in Christ. So we submit to speak, to allow people to speak into our lives. All right, I messed up my notes here, so I'm going to go back. Over the last year, I've been reading Romans 14 and 15 a lot uh, because it was part of this question, submit to one another, who should, who should submit to who? And in Romans 14 and 15, Paul's discussion is all about food. So, you know, there's these different food laws, there's these different perspectives, and some people are like, I'm not going to eat that because I don't believe I should eat that. And other people are like... I'm completely free in Christ and I can eat whatever I want. And how do these people then live in community where one person is saying, we really shouldn't eat that, and the other person is saying, yeah, we can eat it, it's fine. Well, who should submit to who? And this is where Paul writes, submit to one another. He says, let the strong submit to the weak. There's this idea of actually submit to one another and figure it out in relationship. How do you honor one another? If one person could say, yes, this is, this is completely okay, and the other person says, oh, if they're strong enough and they're saying that this is okay, I can trust them because I see their faith, and I'm going to submit to them and say, yes, I can eat that, and it's good. Or the other person may say, you know what? My eating this is actually causing this person to stumble. It's actually impacting their faith, so I'm going to not eat this. Not because I believe it's wrong to eat it, but because I'm submitting to that other person and honoring them, and I want to build them up in their faith. That's a radical call 
from what culture says. Do what you want. doesn't matter what other people think about you. Do what's best for you. Our call to one another is to do what's best for our neighbor. Which kind of leads us to the next one. Serve one another. Serve one another. We are called out of self-centered living into self-giving living. Called out of the darkness of selfishness into the light of the joy of serving others. Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge your flesh, but through love serve one another. We have this beautiful example in John 13 of Jesus, who's the Lord of the whole universe, bending down, stooping down, washing his disciples' feet to serve them. And then he says to them, I've given you an example, follow it. In Matthew 20, 25 through 28, Jesus talks about the world. He says, Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them. So that's what the world looks like to use your authority, your, your power to lord it over other people for your own sake. But Jesus says, it is not this way among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So we are called into a community in which we are serving one another. And again, that's a beautiful picture. That when, when we serve one another, when we honor one another, when we submit to one another, that is displaying the manifold wisdom of God, as Paul writes, in a world that doesn't see those things as important but they are really attractive when the world gets a look at what that looks like. What it is to be in a community where it's not all about me, but actually how am I giving myself away to others around me? That leads to joy. There's something really important about this idea of the pursuit of happiness being a self-evident right. Jesus tells us that if you pursue happiness, probably going to end up empty. But if you pursue laying down yourself for something bigger than yourself, serving something bigger than yourself, serving his kingdom, you will find joy and happiness through serving one another. Uh, in, in the New Testament, ministry, the word ministry is actually the same word for serving. So we think about all of these ministries we could do. How are we ministering to one another? The idea is, how are you serving one another? So in Ephesians 4.12, Paul's talking about all of these gifts. All of these gifts are for the equipping of the saints for the work of service or for ministry to the building up of the body. The beautiful thing about being in a community is that each one of us, each one of us has the ability to serve in some way. There's nobody here who can't serve the body of Christ in some way. So we look at one another and we say, how can, how can they serve? 
and look at myself. How can I serve? How can I serve the people around me? This is the call to being church with one another. Now, for some of us, it's really easy to say, oh, yeah, I love serving others. And there's a flip side to that, that we also have to be uh, humble enough and submitted enough to say, actually, I can allow people to serve me. I know some of us here get really uncomfortable with that. Wait a second. I'm independent. I can do this. Culture says that I should have this all figured out and I can take care of myself. You actually give somebody a beautiful gift when you allow them to use their gifts and their abilities and their talents to serve you. And then at some point, I'm sure, you will have an opportunity to serve them back. And that is a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God, and that's a beautiful picture of the church. All right, the last one I want to touch on is forgive one another. And this is in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Or in Colossians 3, 12 through 13, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beauty of the gospel, right? Any sin you've committed, Christ has taken that bore it on the cross to purchase your forgiveness. You are forgiven and free in Christ. It's a beautiful gospel. You repent and turn to God. You are forgiven in Christ. In that is and also to copy him, to imitate him, to forgive one another. We are called out of hurt and bitterness into forgiveness and healing. We're called out of hurt and bitterness into forgiveness and healing. We are called out of the darkness of anger and resentment into the light of healing and reconciliation. Jesus taught this. He taught it when he was teaching his disciples how to pray. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Or earlier in this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, you have heard what it, that it was said to an older generation, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subjected to judgment. But I say to you that anyone who is angry with a brother will be subjected to judgment. And whoever insults a brother will be brought before the council, and whoever says fool will be sent to fiery hell. So then if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your gift. Forgive one another. That's really important in our life together because we're going to make mistakes. We're going to do something that offends our brother or sister. But if we're following Christ, then we humbly go and apologize, ask for forgiveness. And as followers of Christ, we extend that forgiveness.
I think it was a, uh, back in the fall, I did the, the kids' lesson in our house church. We used the analogy of, I don't know if you've ever, nobody here has ever had a little stone in their shoe. Just a tiny little pebble, and it's the most uncomfortable thing. And you can kind of keep walking for a, on it for a while, but eventually you get tired of that. I think unforgiveness is like leaving that stone in the shoe and just continue. I'm just going to keep walking on that. Here's, here's, here's what happens a lot of times is that when we get that stone in the shoe, when somebody does something to hurt us, the temptation is then to say, I want to get them back. Uh, maybe I'll put a stone in their shoe. That'll, that'll teach them. But when we do that, it's actually like putting a stone in their shoe and also putting a stone in our own shoe. Because all we've done is now created this environment for anger, resentment to grow and fester and actually cause more wounds. And Christ says, no, don't do that. Forgive them. Forgive them. Go and take that stone out of their shoe and take it out of your shoe too. Forgive them. Forgive one another. I want to invite us, I'm, I'm about to close. Sorry, I've taken longer than I meant to. But I want to just provide space for us. This has been a, a, a really divisive year in many ways. And this call to one anothering is, is not always an easy call, an easy calling. But it's really important for us to be the church together, to be devoted to one another that we take the time to forgive one another, to reflect and say, where am I harboring unforgiveness? Is there somebody that I'm holding something against? For what? How was I hurt or wronged? And to be reminded that Jesus bore the weight and the punishment of that person's sin. So I can forgive them. Or where might I need to ask for forgiveness? Have I dishonored someone? Have I sinned against someone and need to repent, apologize, and ask for forgiveness? So I want to I do that now. I want to invite you to take the next few minutes and just prayerfully consider. Prayerfully consider where you might be needing to extend forgiveness or where you might need to ask for forgiveness. Because this is what it means for us to be the church. It's to be a people who are committed to confessing our sins to one another and forgiving one another. So just take a few minutes. I'll close this out here in a few minutes. Where am I harboring unforgiveness? Who am I holding something against? For what? How was I hurt or wronged? And what next step do I need to take to forgive? Where might I need to ask for forgiveness? Have I dishonored someone? Have I sinned against someone and need to repent, apologize, and ask for forgiveness? And if you feel it's appropriate today, if that person is here and you feel like maybe good to approach that person, do it. Do it today. Or maybe it's in the week to come. I invite you to, to reflect and pray what that forgiveness could look like for you. Jesus, would you give us the strength 
power of your Holy Spirit to offer forgiveness. And would you give us the strength and the courage to ask for forgiveness where we need it? Well, I've had a few uh, more private conversations with folks. In the last year, uh, the, the leadership of Renew has, we've had to make difficult decisions and, and we know that we have not gotten it perfect um, over the last year. We know that there have been uh, things that I personally, I would go back and do differently. Uh, and I've had a few conversations with people who have, who have brought up that they were hurt. Um, and, and my hope is that those conversations have been healing. Um, I have asked for forgiveness, but I also, I, I wanna say it publicly because if there's anything from the last year that, that has really hurt you um, coming from, from myself uh, or the leadership of Renew, please come and talk to me. I would love to move forward in a posture of, of forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, because it has been, it has been a hard year and there have been lots of difficult decisions for all of us, not just saying for the leadership, but how to navigate the last year and what it means to, to love one another and what it means to love our family as well. Um, and so I just want to offer that if there's something in the last year, some way that you have felt unheard or devalued, um, we, that was not our intention. And we humbly ask for forgiveness, but please talk to me so we can have that conversation um, because we do love you. Uh, we, we value each person within the Renew community. Uh, and so we wanna know if we've hurt you in some way so that we can move forward in honoring and loving one another. Um, because I'll close with this, doing these things, these, this is not as a fun and exciting teaching as, as two weeks ago was for me, if I'm honest. Like it was really awesome talking about all these beautiful extravagant visions of the church, but doing these things, like this is the hard work, but it's also freeing work and it's beautiful work. And doing these things is, is miraculous. Like I, think, I think sometimes we devalue these things because they, they become boring to us but I think we have to remember how countercultural these things are, how much light these things bring into the darkness of our world. And Jesus says that we do these things with one another. If we live these things out, then we are light. And it draws people out of the darkness into the light of what it means to be fully loved by God and to be in a community that loves you, that, is, that serves you and gives you an opportunity to serve, into a community that honors one another rather than keeping shame and contempt on one another, into a community that, that asks for forgiveness when we cause hurt or pain. There is something really, really miraculous about that. Let's not lose sight of how those things, how these nitty gritty things of living out our faith reveal the wisdom, the beauty, the love of God to a world that desperately needs it. 
draws people into the kingdom reality that living these things out brings. It's a continual dying of self, of laying down ourselves for the sake of Christ's body. And in that laying down, in our devoted love, in our honor, submitting, serving, and forgiving, we experience the beauty of God's kingdom of love, joy, peace, and righteousness. We lay down ourselves so that Christ can live in us because Jesus laid down his life for us so that we can have life in him. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.